0: scary movie no not really what's your favorite scary movie? anyway i think you have the wrong number so bye don't hang up on me man i was weird Everybody and welcome to the Cinema Psych Podcast, podcast where psychology meets film. I am your host, Doctor Alex Swan, and today's episode is a little bit special because we are recording on the one-year actual one-year anniversary of the podcast which I think is pretty cool. So this this recording is a is special. I mean, the episode doesn't really match up with the one-year anniversary, and we already did the one-year retrospective in the last episode, but I think it's a little bit special, and it went out on social media this morning, and that was kind of fun. So, yeah, one-year anniversary. Crazy, right? One year ago, the first episode went out. Cool. Today's episode, on the other hand, is continuing in the proud tradition of the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about a fantastic, fantastic entry, and I think a reimagining somewhat of the horror slasher genre flick kind of movie. And so, today, we're going to be talking about Wes Craven's. Scream. Wes Craven's Scream. A lovely little homage and fostering of the new. uh, An homage to the old and a fostering of the new idea regarding uh, a meta look at the old Slasher films. It's great. I love it. Uh, The film stars. Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, uh, Jamie Kennedy, Matthew Lillard, uh, Skeet Ulrich, the best name in acting, Skeet? Skeet Ulrich? I mean, come on. Uh, So the film, if you haven't seen it, where have you been? Because, I mean, the the ghost-faced killer has been in our cultural milieu for a really long time. I remember the first time that I watched it, uh the and the the following Halloween was it was immediately a uh a hot seller in the world of Halloween masks, right? So it's been around for a while, right? And it's a good one to be around for a while because it it has staying power. And that's probably due to Jamie Kennedy's Randy's rules for horror films. So, you know, and and we're going to talk about those rules for horror films, too, because they have impacts for our discussion today. A lot of social psychology, a lot of gender psychology, a lot of aggression to talk about today. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. But before we jump into that, I want to remind you that if you have not seen the film, that you might want to recognize that there are spoilers ahead. There are going to be some spoilers ahead. Yeah, spoilers. So this is one of my new spoiler uh sound effects little sound bites. Uh tell me let me know if you didn't like it or not. Uh I'm just messing around with voice changer. So, you know, if you don't like it, let me know. Uh I'm just going to I'm going to mess around with them a little bit more. It's fun. It's kind of fun. And so join us for our discussion about scream my guest host today is another old friend of mine all the way from our time at Cal State Northridge we're talking like 10 years ago more than 10 years ago Uh, my guest host is Dr. Angela Bell She's a social psychologist and earned her Ph.D. in psychology from Oklahoma State University. She's currently an assistant professor at Lafayette College in Pennsylvania. She studies stereotypes, prejudice, and how people evaluate racism in themselves and others. On social media, you can find her at Angela C. Bell on Instagram. Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you. This is
1: surreal. I'm so honored to be here, but I also, as you were reading out everything, I am flashing back to our time in Northridge, Um, and you're always in my Facebook memories from statuses a decade ago.
0: Yes, a decade ago, and you and I are native Californians, so I'm happy to have a fellow Californian on to discuss the film that we're going to talk about today. But before we do that, uh, I do want to ask you about just broadly your thoughts on film in general, and um, do you and if you do, why do you use film in your teaching?
1: Great question. So I have always i been a film fan. Um, I love movies, uh, and I think movies are a great tool for conversation and um, analyzing people's behaviors and thinking about why people do what they do. And so I'm a big advocate for using film in teaching, though I don't use it as often as I would like. Uh, but That's I, fair. Um, I, I do use um, some documentaries. I mm-hmm. do, I'm happy to use clips, you know, for short examples. And um, there are times in which... I, don't know if you've ever heard of this um movie the exam Mm
0: -mm, i have not
1: it's a great social psychology movie so we'll talk about that later okay yeah but um it's and i yeah so i love film i'm a big fan i think there's a lot to learn um about psychology from movies
0: yeah as the psychology of people right so yeah what is i mean this podcast could like continue on ad infinitum uh into into the end of existence because of just how many films we could talk about uh with so little time so today's film angela is scream and i asked you um for you know a couple of options and you you threw a few out there and when you said scream i was like ooh cuz um uh, for for most people, they don't really know that um, Scream was actually one of the first quote unquote adult films, not an actual adult film, but an adult film that I watched in the 1990s when it came out. Like my parents let me watch it, which is crazy, which is crazy, me too. right?
1: Yeah, uh, I have the same exact experience. <laughs> it was one of the first rated R movies I was allowed to rent at Blockbuster.
0: Yes. Uh, It wasn't the first rated R movie that I that I saw, but it was the first like super gory uh, rated R film that I that I saw. So what was your reasoning behind this choice?
1: Uh, So, I mean, part of it is my similar background to you. I this is a movie that has been uh, very influential in my life. I. I. I watch it almost every year and I feel like I find something new about it every time I watch it. It doesn't nice. get old to me. Uh, I think uh, as far as the podcast goes, I I know you, you're, you and your guests have looked at horror films mm-hmm. a lot and I find that to be really interesting because I think horror as a genre is a uh, really interesting approach does a really interesting approach to analyzing um human behavior and the psychology of people so i uh yeah i was it jumped to me because i think a lot about the stereotypes Mm -hmm. that scream um hinges hinges itself upon Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and sort of anchors um a lot of motivations for characters and it makes me think about my own research mm-hmm. and it makes me think about uh the messaging that people might come away from this movie. Yes. So I'm not always sure um when we're watching a satirical film and I I always hesitate with using comedy in classes right. um because it might have, you know, um it can be misinterpreted right. really easily. So I think it I think that lends itself to an even more interesting conversation that we can have about Scream.
0: Right. And and I and I think a lot of people do miss the comedy aspect of it and can kind of get sucked into it because Wes Craven was the horror man uh, mm-hmm. in the 70s and the eighties, and then he goes and makes this like uh, Farcical look at his own style of filmmaking, his own genre of filmmaking, and you can get kind of lost in that and lose out on the broader message. Which I I hope today in this episode that we can we can sort of pick apart some of those broader messages. Now I don't anticipate anyone using this film in their classes due to the graphic nature of many of the killings. Um, but it is something that you could potentially use clips, like you mentioned earlier, right? You can use clips of this, um, and we'll have a few clips here and there uh, that I think are very illustrative of the uh, of the topics that uh, we'll bring up. Do you have any uh, thoughts on uh, this being a subgenre uh of a slasher horror flick
1: no I think it's just straight up slasher flick.
0: But I mean you're, you're talking about horror, right? And so oh, it, it being yeah. it being <laughs> specifically a a a a slasher flick, right? So there's no like yes. supernatural aspect to it.
1: Yeah. So this uh take I mean it is classic slasher flick it starts within the first five minutes uh you know in the opening scene someone is killed um brutally uh and there are i don't i didn't have a i think i have a death count i think maybe eight people died in this movie okay um i I have it written down somewhere i didn't write maybe maybe we should revisit (laughs) this some anyway yeah it's a classic slasher um movie and you know the killers spoiler alert uh, they've already been warned yeah okay so they I mean they um the killers you know are stabbing each other um they're stabbing all over town and that is there's only really one method to killing people and that is stabbing and then sometimes gutting them and then yeah Hanging their bodies, yeah. which I also find to be an interesting pattern. I hadn't thought about the hangings actually until
0: yeah, that is. We a good were watching one. it. Um, I I think what Wes Craven does in this film, and what I mentioned um at the top of the show, is that I I consider this a reimagining of the slasher flick because prior to. Prior to, I think this film and others related to it, like Saw or something like that, um, the slasher flicks had supernatural elements. So if you go, you if you think about Halloween, uh, Michael Myers moves with great speed, and it's just like how can he move that quickly, um, and it's really unexplained. And then um, Jason, the Jason films. Speaking of the Jason films, where they actually talk about how um, Jason Voorhees' mother is actually the killer in the first Friday the Thirteenth, and then like super super supernatural in Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy Krueger, right? Dreamscape and 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 all of that. So I think uh, Wes Craven does a pretty good job of taking that slasher flick and reimagining it a little bit more grounded and. For our conversation today and the notes that we both took and and, and, and I noticed that we, we have a lot of correspondence in those in those notes, the notes that we have, uh, I think it lends a little bit of um, reality and realism to some of the ideas that we'll, we'll talk about uh, in this episode, right?
1: Yes. So, yeah, we have lots to talk about. I maybe I should give you a a more official answer, uh, about my reasoning behind this choice that might, uh, you know, uh, expand upon what we've discussed, but I mean, I'm really excited to talk about stereotypes and prejudice specifically about gender, mental illness. Mm. Um, I mean, we can talk about uh, potentially, if scary movie cliches are a type of stereotype. Yeah. Um, sure. Or if they sort of map onto other cognitive processes like, you know, schemas or s- prototype theory. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about, you know, a lot. There's a lot of motivated reasoning in this uh, movie in mm-hmm. which people are always trying to determine who is the killer and why. And, People's conclusions are always based on their own motivations. Right. And some people make grave mistakes, you know, due to that directional. Yep. (laughs) Due to their directional thinking. Yep. Also, um, I mean, there's just so much sexism. Oh, my
0: God. So
1: much violence.
0: So much violence.
1: And so much aggression that we can go over.
0: Yeah, that's a lot. that's where do lot. we begin where do we begin I think I want I think I kind of want to talk about just the aggression let's 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 um let's get the elephant in the room to get out of the room here right so okay. aggression and the reason why I I have a bit a, a slightly self-serving uh reason for starting with aggression is because I'm teaching social psych right now in an online class and later this week we are going to um have Broader discussions and a live stream uh, about aggression, and so I kind of I I, I almost want to bring this the the topics that we talk about in this uh in in this conversation into that and be like hey you guys see scream <laughs> and then go from there right um, and so uh, what I talk about and I had to condense this discussion on aggression for this summer class because of time but I talk about the the broad things like you know what's hostile versus instrumental um and then relational versus physical and and all of that too and then the impacts of harm uh and what kind of harm is in the film um so obviously we see a lot of instrumental aggression right
1: well i mean the killers have these are all premeditated yeah um uh, acts they're very thoughtful even in the scenes i think that are tongue-in-cheek in in which you see a person in a scream costume like hanging out in the background Mm -hmm. um i feel like even the sort of uh you know, the boogeyman who's always lurking. Right. And it's done in a jokey way. I I feel like that is done in a way to make the characters like Sydney feel terrorized. Surprise, Sydney.
0: Yeah, and it's specifically toward Sydney, right? Yeah. Like um, if you go back and you're after you know who the killers are. You know Stu and Billy, right? Mm-hmm. And you go back to the scene uh, where in the hallway and a uh, some d bag is running through in the outfit and the ghost faced killer cat uh, mask. Um, you have to, you have to wonder. Okay, one of them put this idiot up to them. Up, up, up to it, right? And mm-hmm. to run specifically by Sydney, not just Tatum, but specifically Sydney, right? So there's there's quite a bit of intent there. But the one, the one thing, the one killing that doesn't make sense to me is the principal.
1: I yeah, I was actually thinking about him and the role that he plays. I Henry I mean, Winkler. Henry Winkler is Principal himbre
0: Himbry. Himbry there uh, what go. a name. Yeah.
1: And uh, he, I, oh, I, this is actually the one death that I forget about too when I'm rewatching the movie. I'm like, oh yeah, Himbry's gotta die. And I think maybe it is because he is taking such a thoughtful approach to um, the sort of the torture that's going on in town. Like he's immediately shutting down, you know, the, the town. There's a curfew instated. Okay. He's yeah. telling, he's telling his students, I love you over the, um, over the loudspeakers, you know, on yeah. campus and he, you know, wants to be safe. I, th- I think maybe it's not, um, I, th- I personally think it might be premeditated mm-hmm. because of the, um, lengths that they go to, to, um, sort of hang him and like, Show a message to the town, but it it is possible that it could be just thoughtless, and they were taking advantage of a situation in which he was alone. Mm, um, okay, but I, yeah, I, I,
0: or to get back one of the costumes,
1: <laughs> or to get back one of the costumes. Though so I'm maybe, um, I, you know, I feel like the reaction to people's. Uh, to like the killings are mm-hmm. seem to be like really callous and thoughtless and that teenagers are just um, you know, going to make fun of this thing. So maybe uh, the Wes Craven brutal teenagers can be to each other um, with like buying their own masks and like running throughout, you know, the town on their own. But yeah, I don't know.
0: That's interesting. It's an interesting one. Right. Uh, and there's a lot of, Physical aggression, obviously, right, with the killings and the stabbings and the drawing and the quartering and the hanging. Yeah, it's just a, there is a lot. And you, you, you mentioned that um, there there is some relational aggression in there. Do you, do you want to expand on that?
1: Yeah, so we do see some relational aggression. Uh, I think traditionally along gender lines in mm-hmm. this in this movie, um, which is highly gendered throughout. And so there, uh, the introduction of Courtney Cox's character, uh, Gail Weathers, mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. is immediately, um, sort of like seen as this, like, I don't know, is she a, a hawk or a snake? Um, there's a, like an animal. I can't even think of uh, She's kind of like a cat. She's always slinking around, I need to choose an animal and a <laughs> metaphor uh, <laughs> and keep it consistent. But I think the introduction of um, Gail um, sets up relational aggression throughout yes. the film. Yeah. Gail is um, Gail has covered um, Sydney's mother's murder. and mm-hmm. so Sydney and Gail are immediately pitted against each other. Um, Because of that, of their disagreement. And Tatum is sort of in the middle, not in the middle, but she wants, you know, Sydney, she eggs Sydney on to sort of escalate or like get back at Gail or she wants to celebrate any sort of um, outlash that Sydney makes at Mm Gail. And so, um, yeah, so some relational aggression is we're talking about like gossip predominantly right right uh, throughout the um throughout the film and sydney and tatum even have an exchange about gossip at one point about how gossip is very powerful and it it sometimes can be true if it's said enough times and Mm -hmm. and tatum sort of justifies a lot of the gossip or relational aggression um at one point (laughs) to to sydney's dismay uh and disgust and um, yeah, but that relational aggression does turn uh, physical at one point when um, Gail confronts Sydney af- outside the police station, and Sydney's had enough and turns around and punches Gail
0: right in the face. Right in the face. Yeah. So I would uh, just to, to to add to that, I would uh, instead of maybe making gala an animal which i like I yeah like i don't more, want but... to do
1: that but other <laughs> other people do do that in yeah, the that's movie fair. so i want yeah, right 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 <laughs>
0: um i would just say that she's like she's very ambitious and um conniving um because it, it sounds like she should be a weather person right with the last name of weathers yeah but she but she works for like a um inside edition kind of TV show, right, which is mm-hmm. sort of tabloidy. Yeah. And so she has to follow these very 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 loose leads in order to get a story, I did air quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh for listeners. Uh to get a story, and so many people just consider her to be like conniving. Um
1: She's agentic, and so yeah, p- yeah. she's disliked because she is right. so motivated to get an answer, and which
0: she, I think we could say is one of our first um gender stereotypes mm-hmm. that are explored throughout the entire film,
1: yeah, she's written out written off as being you know someone who's got a gossip, someone who's spreading um lies to hurt people when she her behaviors are built to protect someone, and so she's punished for it which mm-hmm. um so if a woman violates stereotypes you know the meek um uh like uh yeah the like a you know the gentle woman uh mm-hmm. stereotype or belief that women should be uh, protected right. because of their uh, innocent nature uh, gail really assert like really throws all those stereotypes out the door and then yeah. so she is um she experiences backlash for it.
0: Right. Um, that all that benevolent sexism stuff again, mm-hmm. talking about that in a few, or I no, I talked about that last week. So all that stuff is on top of my head. Uh, but yeah, f- uh, for sure. Um, she is the character that sort of tries to counteract all of the, all of the like large amounts of sexism that are expressed by the characters movie um, mm-hmm. and she stands alone by by that and she's in all of the sequels right
1: she is in all of the sequels yeah
0: so that um we'll say uh gender stereotype bending characterization sort of keeps her alive Mm-hmm. air quotes there whatever whatever you want to do <laughs> All right. So, uh, and as far as harm is concerned, which is part of, you know, physical uh, aggression, harming people with either sticks and stones or words, um, there is a lot of lethal harm. um, And uh, we should actually look up the body count on this one. I am going to uh, scream.
1: I think we uh, can just say it out loud.
0: Scream body count, right? Do you know? Kn- Casey,
1: Casey's boyfriend. Okay. Principal Himbry. Tatum.
0: Tatum, yep.
1: The cameraman, Gail's cameraman.
0: Okay. Yep.
1: Is it only the I have the answer right five?
0: here. Wait,
1: mm-hmm. uh, what am I missing? Am I, how, mi- wait.
0: Because the two killers oh. do actually die. It's It's eight. You were right with eight.
1: Oh, I was. Okay. Yes. Who am I missing?
0: Um uh Maureen Prescott.
1: Oh my I actually wrote this in my notes. I said, Is Maureen Prescott a dead body? <laughs> like as far as part of the body count. Uh um, because I mean, we don't okay. actively see her killed, but That's
0: true. She is that's true. Um, uh, so according to the site that I'm on, which is Fandom, mm-hmm. um she is counted as a body as a as a um, death according to scream because her death occurs previous to all movies even though it's the flashback canon. you're right and even even though the flashback doesn't occur until scream three so it is eight it is a body count of eight so you were pretty close so, so there what? were seven mm-hmm. there were seven present in the film mm-hmm. that's a lot of dead people
1: It is. And I sometimes when I'm watching slasher flicks, sometimes I do keep track in the back of my mind, because sometimes you'll watch a movie, a horror movie, and you're like, wow, only two people died. And I was expecting a lot more. Uh, So that is just something. (laughs) And then there's it goes the other way in which like I watched Halloween, uh, like one of the more recent, the latest one right and um Michael Myers had killed so many people I had lost count and I was also exhausted <laughs> and I was like people need to stop dying <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> people need it people all right in a horror Seriously, movie people guys. need
1: to stop dying
0: so <laughs> <laughs> sure, guys this is enough
1: Yes, but Aren't right. you tired, um, Michael? Yes. Aren't the aren't any of these killers tired? I like I mean we see Stu and Billy get tired.
0: We do. This, yeah. Maybe. We do. Um and there's a the, the, the critical scene where they're trying to kill Sydney. Although, are they really trying to kill Sydney? I'm a little iffy on that one. Yeah. Um and um she overpowers whoever it is um consistently. Uh, I was just re- I was just rewatching that scene where it's like, "Do you like to die? Do you mm-hmm. want to die, Sydney?" Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, "No, I don't. Get away from me." But you, you noticed something very, uh, very uh, interesting that I did not, um, until I read your notes about the deaths. Do you want to uh, expand on that?
1: Yeah. So I'm really just in my personal life, uh outside of research, I'm interested in just film, like the horror genre. Mm -hmm. And so I, yeah, I do pay attention to, um, sort of what happens to different types of people based on characteristics with their identity, um, Mm -hmm. and what happens to them in the movie. And so we, um, in this movie specifically, we see women potentially being, um, disproportionately um, are treated in a way that is like more extreme than the deaths that the men experience. So, you know, for five full minutes in five to 10 minutes of the opening scene, Casey is stalked Mm -hmm. as she is teased, stabbed, choked, hung. And this is really drawn out. But when her boyfriend's I think it's Steve who's killed in front of her. The camera, we never see Steve die. We only hear it off camera and then we get the shot of him and his guts, you know, falling out. But that is so brief compared to what Casey experiences. And Tatum's death um, is also infamously uh, gruesome, in which she is, uh, her head is crushed. And we see the actual act, you know, in a garage, in the garage opener, uh, in that uh, pet door, the doggy door, and
0: Um, Astrid had a funny uh, note about that. She's like, "Why would you do that to your garage door? Why would you have a pet? Why would you have a pet door in in your garage?
1: Yeah, I think this was a popular '90s thing.
0: I had never seen it.
1: I. I and, just and want I, to I, say,
0: I want to, I want to say this. They're set in Northern California, so you NorCal-ers, mm-hmm. um are a strange bunch. If that was a '90s thing,
1: yeah, I think I'm just actually just making things up, <laughs> <laughs> which I tend to do. I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> when cornered <laughs> for an answer, <laughs> I'm trying sure. to figure out why would there very conveniently be a doggy door in this garage instead of the door the actual door that opens up to the backyard. Yeah. I also had to do a double take when uh, Tatum was killed to like, cause it, if she's being killed in the garage, why does it take so long for everyone to find her? Because there's a scene in which um, Mm, mm -hmm. she's eventually found, but unlike uh, houses I'm familiar with. This house is a labyrinth, and the garage is not forward facing. Um, and so, I that was something I actually like had to write down <laughs> and be I like, "I didn't
0: even think of that." How did that's, this happen? Yeah, that's that's very interesting.
1: Yeah. So on the subject of the women's deaths compared to the right. men, um, mm-hmm. Himbury. I mean, Himbri is teased, but. He stabbed like kind of quickly um, and left. For and death. almost
0: like off camera. Yes. It, it's cut away very quickly.
1: A lot of it is off camera. A lot of the stabbings are, unless they're women. Uh, and then. Right. And the cameraman, his, he's, his neck is slit. But I think mm-hmm. we see that, if I mm-hmm, remember correctly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And then Billy, we do see the TV. He's stabbed. Not Billy. Stu is stabbed multiple times um, before a TV crashes on his head. Right. But um, I would say like Stu and Billy might be anomalies or they might not follow the sort of like expectations or rules. that. Although,
0: Although I would say and and I and I agree with you and and I think for Stu and Billy's case. So, yeah, they stab each other. To make it look like they um, aren't the killers, right? That was their plan all along. Um, but you don't see a lot of gushing blood, and it's underneath their clothing. Like Stu's wearing a baggy sweater, and and Billy's wearing a baggy shirt. Um, and you don't you don't actually see their wounds like you do with the women. So that's why that's why when I saw this, I was like, she's onto something there because I I definitely agree. You actually see. The women's uh, uh, wounds and 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 uh, uh, ways in which they are murdered. Uh, a, a TV falling on Stu's head as 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 gruesome as that could potentially be in real life. It's not in the movie.
1: It's played for laughs, and actually, them stabbing each other is also played for laughs compared yeah. to the others. Because when Tatum, as we're talking, I'm thinking. Oh, as we're seeing, Tatum's like sliced very slowly on the arm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all of the women are teased. All of the women are teased, and you can even go to uh, you, I don't remember which one it is, Scream Two or Scream Three, where Gale is being um stalked, and she eventually uh overcomes.
1: Well, uh, all almost all of them. She is like a prime target. I think she almost I think there's a point in which she like nearly dies in Scream 4.
0: Okay, that 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 seems like it could be real. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen Scream 4, that's for sure.
1: I almost picked Scream 2 over Scream.
0: And but, okay. would have been a good choice um yeah. also because of the uh the whole copycat stuff. Yeah, which I like. Yeah, I like. But um
1: I, yeah, I thought it might be too controversial to go with a sequel.
0: That's fair. That's fair. So we'll we're going to jump back into this discussion in just a second. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come right back. Hey listener, thanks for sticking around this episode. I hope you're enjoying it. Anyway, I need your help in growing this podcast's audience. In past episodes, I've asked you to share this podcast with five of your friends. Let's keep doing that. Share this podcast on social media, especially if you really liked an episode. Share that episode. Tell five of your friends or family if they have an interest in film or psychology, or even better, both. Growing the audience is our goal for the second year of programming, and so we need your help to get that done. Other ways to contribute to the podcast include tips to our PayPal, found on our website, becoming a patron at patreon.com slash cinemapsychpod, rocking some sweet merch from our Spreadshirt shop, And or leaving us a rating or review on your favorite podcast service. Now back to the show. All right, Angela. So continuing our discussion on this stuff uh, in Scream, um, I want to talk about the um the sexism. Uh, both the what we've we've are already kind of discussed a little bit. Um, but then like the massive amounts of rape culture uh, impacts this film sort of plays with. And, and I have this and I have a scene that I want to uh, that I want to play for the viewers. Uh, and this is this scene is after so Sid, Sidney and Billy accidentally. And I use air quotes because I think Billy was planning this. Um, uh, Run into each other. In the hallway. So I'm going to play that scene for the listeners. And then we'll come back to it. Because it's. It's gross. Whoa,
1: whoa, whoa,
2: whoa. You still think it's me? No. No, I I don't. It's just somebody was there. Hey, Christy, wait uh, someone, someone tried to kill I know, me. I know, I know. The cops said I scared him away. You know, it wasn't me, Sid. I know. He called me again last night at Tatum's house. You see? Couldn't have been me. I was in jail. Remember? I'm so sorry. Please understand. Understand what? When I have a girlfriend who would rather accuse me of being a psychopathic killer than touch me? you know that's not true then what is it what is it billy i was attacked and nearly filleted last night i mean between us you haven't been the same since since your mother died is your brain leaking my mom was killed i can't believe you're bringing this up I know it's been a year tomorrow one year tomorrow i know what i think it's time you got over that i mean when my mom left my dad i accepted it. it's the way it is She's not coming back. Your parents split up. This is not the same thing. Your mom left town. She's not lying in a coffin somewhere. Okay, 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 I'm sorry. It's, it's a bad analogy. It's just that I want my girlfriend back. Sid. I am sorry if my traumatized life is an inconvenience to you and your perfect existence. What,
1: nobody said that. Sid
0: okay so in that scene billy is like super horndog
1: i'm shocked and appalled at the scene this was a scene in which i watched it and i know it always felt icky but this time it i was aghast
0: and if you go back after you've watched the film one time and you go back and you rewatch all of this stuff you kind of get a, a sense that um you kind of get a sense that that uh, Billy kind of gives away his cards here just a, just a smidge uh to uh Sydney and he's like, hey yeah it's been a year you should stop grieving your mom let's have sex come on I want my girlfriend back I'm like whoa bro don't, don't be so gross he
1: he's pretty gross throughout and it it all seems to be contingent upon his ability to have sex. Mm-hmm. And I think this Billy, I mean, that's like main, Billy's main motivation. and uh-huh. uh, even Sydney's mother's death is very sexualized. Um, they like she is raped before she's murdered. Uh-huh. Uh, if we think about the other victims of Billy's, like it's like um, Casey used to date do.
0: Yeah. And so she, so I would I, consider Casey to be Stu's victim.
1: Okay. Yeah. But I mean, um, as this far, she was choked at one point and that seems to be like consistent with like crimes of passion. Sure. Uh, so, so that's just like violence against women and yeah. potentially why, but yes, Billy's um, Billy's obsession with sex in this movie is, I mean, it's not really sex. He wants power. That's what right. he's trying to obtain. Mm-hmm. And um, he's trying to dominate Sydney uh, through her sexuality, right? And is yeah. yeah,
0: um, and uh, I I made this note as I was writing this down, but um, and 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 I saw, I see that you you agree that uh, Billy is a modern day. There was no term for this back then, but he's a modern day incel.
1: Right. And so we say like in, what is it? Involuntary celibate. My students will pretend they don't know what I'm talking about. If I ask them to define it (laughs) or ask them to bring it up or like explain where they've heard the term before. I don't know if Mm -hmm. they're pretending. Some might actually not know, but I think some people get shy uh, when we talk about these subjects. And so, yeah, Billy Billy really does try to paint himself as a victim in these interactions with Sydney, and right. that she, she's the one who's teasing him. She is the one who has all the power. He's trying to like put that on her, um, as a reason for the situation he is in.
0: Right. And, um, when, when an incel doesn't get their way with women, they immediately then, uh, respond by hurling insults and you get this at the end with the creative psychopaths part which is that he calls uh, Sydney's mom a slut and a whore for what she did to his family it's all her fault that um, she had an affair with his dad. It's a fun game so let We ask you a question if
2: you get it wrong, you die. You get it right, you die. You're crazy, both of you. You're actually, you're the term psychotic. We'll never get away with this. I oh, know. Tell that to Cotton Weary. Wouldn't believe how easy he was to frame. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. It was fun. No! Oh, where are you going? Why? Why did you kill my mother? Why? Why? You hear that, Stu? I think she wants a motive. <laughs> hmm. hmm. I don't really believe in motive, Sid. I mean, did Norman Bates have a motive? No. Did they ever really decide why Hannibal Lecter liked to eat people? Don't think so. You see, it's a lot scarier when there's no motive, Sid. We did your mom a favor, Sid. That woman was a slutbag whore. It flashed her down like she was Sharon Stone or something. Yeah, it would put her out of her misery. Because let's face it, Sidney, your mother was no Sharon Stone.
0: Hmm. Is that motive enough for you? And it's just like, well, dude, your dad had a, an equal share in that affair. So d- are you? You're not murdering him. But and so these deeply held beliefs um that women have all of the sexual uh power and um when they don't share it they are awful
1: yeah and sydney is only an extension of what happened with marine prescott and we see this theme i think even carried throughout scream 2 because the killers are kept in the family And and so there's a very similar narrative in the following film, um, with the killer's motivation for targeting Sydney and her and her friends.
0: And and you made a a really uh, important point about the the rapes, the rape ideas in the film um, and uh, Wes Craven's prior filmography you want to expand on that as well
1: yeah I mean I think Wes Craven is a really interesting has an interesting history um, of filmmaking um and so just his yeah I mean his first, one of his first earliest directing um directing since was The Last House on the Left which is infamous uh for its rape scenes multiple Mm -hmm. rape scenes in which um, a woman and her friend are um, like tortured in the woods. And then when their parents um, of one of the women find out, they go after the killers. And um, we see rape again, come up in the Hills have eyes. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, even a nightmare on Elm street, if we think about the harm Freddie has done to Nancy. So when Freddy Krueger is following Nancy in her dreams and other characters throughout the entire, the entirety anyway, Freddy is a pedophile. Um, and he is very sexual, um, and, 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 you know, is predatory throughout the films. Mm -hmm. Like if Mm -hmm. we think about the use of his tongue coming through, like the phone in a scene or his hand coming up between a woman's legs in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these are all very, yeah. So these are things that I'm thinking about as I'm watching scream and sort of the, what's been a blueprint for the, for scream and, and Rev, Wes Craven's role in that as well.
0: Yeah. He seems to have a um, predilection for uh, showing that graphically yeah and then as well as metaphorically
1: yeah and this might not this might be too off topic so if it needs to be uh but uh like wes craven got i was reading his his like interviews earlier to prepare mm-hmm. and like he i for he had a role in like making deep throat but no one knows like what exactly he did on the film and he i guess learned a lot of the his current work in working in porno, pornographic movies, and I think that's actually a lot of film directors huh. that came up around his time um, also have a similar experience and sort of like the like the people have said that they've learned their best work from working in pornography.
0: Wow, I have never <laughs> heard that before.
1: Yeah. And if, um, and if we also think about uh, like greater cultural and sociological movements, there is a movie, it's a documentary called American Nightmare um, that interviews a lot of film directors that got really popular in the Mm seventies. And Wes Craven is one of the ones interviewed. And it's been a while since I've seen the movie, but it has a very academic take on the film, on the horror genre. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the movies that, or a lot of the directors that sort of rose to fame in the 70s, who sort of used a lot of these uh, violence against women as sort of a staple for their slasher movies. uh, They said that they were inspired, if if that's that's not even a great word, but they were really affected by uh, the the Vietnam War and images of the Vietnam War. And so I find that to be really interesting as well.
0: Yeah, the the, and and that actually is a great segue into Randy's rules. Yeah, so let's play that
2: till she went legit. Could afford a decent pair. (laughs) What'd you say? That's why she always outsmarted the killer in the big chase scene at the end. Only virgins can do that. Don't you know the rules? What rules? You don't Jesus Christ, you don't know the rules have an aneurysm, why don't you? There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance, number one, you can never have sex. Oh. No, no, no.
0: Big no-no,
2: big no a dead man. Sex equals yes. death, okay? Number two, you can never drink or do drugs. <laughs> no, no, no. no, the sin factor. It's a sin. It's an extension of number one. And number three, never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. I'm getting another beer. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back.
0: So, Randy's rules <laughs> are um, uh, if you have sex, you're going to die. If you drink, you're going to die. And don't ever say, I'll be right back. Um, so, the first rule. Which is, generally speaking, the most important rule is you can't be a virgin if you want to live, right? Did I say that right?
1: You have to be a virgin. You if have you to wanna, be a
0: virgin if, if you, you want to live. live.
1: <laughs> I do double negatives, too, all the time. <laughs>
0: uh, so, um, the which is an interesting rule, considering that just at the same time as Randy is giving this rule, Sydney and Billy are having sex. That's not a mistake. No, it's not a mistake. Uh,
1: it, I think that um, I think turning this rule on its head in this movie is also very '90s. I would say, <laughs> as it were, being more sex positive. Yeah, uh, as you know, in the culture. But I think, yeah, uh, that all of Randy's rules are immediately being thrown out. Um, mm-hmm. And I think maybe only one comes true. So the sin people are sinning and they yeah. stay alive. Mm-hmm. And Stu is the only one who does all be right back and dies. Well, who else is having who else is being killed for having sex? Casey and Tatum.
0: Yeah. We can assume that Tatum and Stu are having sex because Stu's like always all over her.
1: Yeah, they're and she sort of if, is like, this is happening to me.
0: Yeah, and if I honestly knew those kind of people in real life, I'd be like, please stop. You don't need to do this in public all the time. All the time. I can't. Uh,
1: I mean, I I find myself being like, well, teens will be teens as I'm watching this. And I'm like, who am I? I'm like excusing their behavior.
0: Teens will be teens. You know, what's the funniest thing just as an aside. um, When Brandy is talking about their rule with the rules and he says, number two, you can't drink alcohol. And they're like, Oh, they, they throw stuff at him and, and, uh, and they all have beers in their hands. And I'm like, these 20 something year olds. Playing 16 year olds <laughs> playing 16 year olds is everyone like, is very they're finally of age right you guys are fine drinking you're you're fine I mean how casually they do it out of even if they're supposed to be teenagers like have a little more discretion I don't know it's it was 90s teenagers I guess I wasn't a teenager in the 90s so I don't really know but I feel like 90s teenagers were a little weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> so although Randy does survive and he says he is um uh, a virgin.
1: Yeah, he does. I'm I was just reminded. He is the one who does survive because of his virginity. But he is drinking.
0: He so is he's drinking. still sinning he doesn't say i'll be right back though Mm-mm. so it's 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 funny that these rules have gotten to the point of of um uh put on a pedestal kind of thing but rather than the rules being true as far as um like a if they're actually real from a horror standpoint cuz i don't know if they're they might be real, but we're talking. That's what I think Scream does well with this: is it it it, it flips the horror genre on its head, which is why I think it's like a re, a, a good reimagining because of the meta the meta, the meta look that it 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 takes at the genre. Um, but rather than them being put on their heads, I think it's used specifically to throw people off. Or tell you that, hey, you know what? Sydney's gonna die now. Because if you are paying attention, you know that they're having sex upstairs.
1: Yeah. I I mean, that, and that, and this movie is all about trying to get you to question uh, your expectations of what's to come. And so I think that's really important as a, like, from a storytelling standpoint, is to sort of bring the stereotypes or the cliches to light. Mm -hmm. And then try to like disentangle them, um, try to, and then, you know, try to, um, use them sort of against people who might endorse them because yeah, they violate sort of like the kernel of truth aspects or they violate just, yeah, I, I don't have a good articulate thought right now, um, about that. Help me out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So let's take that let's take that trope idea um, and and run with it a little bit because you had some notes about um, stereotypes Mm -hmm. Um, and I want to play the scene where um, they're talking about uh, Casey and Steve's murders at the fountain, which is such an odd conversation to have. But I guess, you know, as you said, teenagers will be teenagers um teens being teens um they're talking about how gruesome the murders were and um, all students are encouraged to have turned their homes promptly from school ground yeah. avoid they, strangers walk in and choose a I will they
2: see
1: they you
2: hey they asked you to like to hunt
1: yeah they did
2: they asked you Hunt. why would they ask you if you like to hunt because their bodies were gutted thank you Randy they didn't ask me if I liked that. It's because there's no way a girl could have killed him. That is so sexist. The killer could easily be female. Basic instinct. That was an ice pick. Not exactly the same thing. Yeah, Casey and Steve were completely hollowed out. And the fact is, it takes a man to do something like that. Or a man's mentality. How do you gut someone? You take a knife, and you slit him from groin to sternum. Hey called tact you fuck rag. Hey, Stu, didn't you used to date Casey? Yeah, for like two seconds before she dumped him for Steve. I thought you dumped her for me. I did, he's full of shit. And are the police aware that you dated the victim? What are you saying? That that I killed her? It would certainly improve your high school kill. Stu was with me last night, okay? Yeah, it was. Is that before or after? Be sliced and diced. Fuck you, nutcase. Where were you last night? Working. Thank you. Oh, at the video store? I thought they fired your sorry ass. Twice. No, I didn't kill anybody. Nobody said you did. Thanks, buddy. Besides, it takes a man to do something like that. Yo, I'm gonna gut your ass in a second, kid. Tell me something. Did you really put her liver in the mailbox cuz I heard that they found her liver in the mailbox next to her spleen and her pancreas. Where are you going fucking trying to eat here? Right? Just getting mad, right? You better live her alone. <laughs> <laughs>
0: liver <her> alone. <laughs> so you were talking about stereotypes uh, in 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 your notes. What what stereotypes were present in this clip?
1: So the stereotypes that we see in this scene is the stereotypes we have around like profiling who a killer is and and our expectations for like who could have done such a horrible thing. And so um, at one point, someone says, no way a girl could have killed him. I think that's Stu. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so, um, no, that's actually Tatum who says that. No way a girl could have killed him. Um, And then Stu answers, like, it takes a man to do something like that, to sort of, like, reaffirm potentially his position (laughs) in this, uh, in this act. Um, Yeah, so that is, that's something that jumped out at me, too. And this is also an introduction to uh, the conversations that happen throughout the film about uh, mental illness and um, psychopathy and psychopath. Psychopathy, psychopathy. Mm-hmm. And um and also what men and women are capable of. So sort right. of the proscriptive and prescriptive nature of stereotypes versus what right. women and men can do and what they should do.
0: So on the psych the the psychopathy thing, uh the major I guess uh plot moving dialogue uh at the end is what you, what why why are you doing this billions and Do and what and, and they say they say movies don't make psychopaths
1: uh yeah movies don't make psychopaths uh movies make psychopaths more creative and i remember that's billy uh, mm-hmm. Billy is saying that, you know, when he's found, you know, when the police find him nearly dead, he'll say that, like, he you know, um, actually don't remember what he says. I remember what Stu says, which, like, it's peer pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're both playing up to the idea that it's the media um, mm-hmm. that influenced them if they were ever, you know, questioned. Um and so yeah this the the stereotype I guess it goes back to like sort of the nature nurture like sure issue too of of like who is who's a killer and why
0: <laughs> Yeah uh I in in uh in my freshman year of college I think I think it was uh I took a biopsych and we had to watch The Bad Seed which is a movie that came out in the 1950s um, Great movie, and I'm gonna tell you, it's awful. No,
1: <laughs> I like that movie.
0: <laughs> um, and it's about a girl who um is a real—I'll tell you what—and uh, <laughs> she she apparently lives in a loving ho- uh, loving household, right? And so, uh, she's just she, evil. She's just she's just she's evil, a right? born evil. Born evil, and mm-hmm. um we had to analyze that film, and now you know why I do the things that I do in my teaching, yeah, um, we had to analyze that film, and <laughs> it's just, uh, it was just like that that, yeah, it's a very strongly worded nurt- uh nature debate, um, but really, there's a lot of things that happens in that happen in Billy's life that interact with mm-hmm. his potentially I mean we don't get a lot of information about this but his potentially psychopathic nature um which is one could say the catalyst that his mom left the the mom was his grounding factor and and um when she left he was just like all right I'm on hinge now and that's a that's a nurture thing so
1: yes and I mean he also uses that. Um just like he's a victim of circumstance in all of this as well, which so that is the nature, sorry, the nurture side of it as well.
0: Mm-hmm. A victim of circumstance for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He says that um, you know, it's it's everyone else's fault and not his. And then you have to wonder what the hell is Stu doing?
1: I question that. I wonder. I I do wonder what Stu gets out of this relationship with Billy, and what mm-hmm. he might get out of killing people or or being part of, yeah, sort of like putting his own like life on the line for Billy's um, motivations. Yeah, and, but we also see like th- I think the driving narrative throughout this movie is that. These kids, they are kids, they're teens, they're so wrapped up in popular culture and they're so they are internalizing and soaking up media like a sponge that like implicitly is this like thread that they are products of their society. And Stu, yeah. Stu might just be highly impressionable. He might get some sort of, you know. Uh, in, maybe endorsement or celebration from being Billy's partner, but I don't know. What do you think?
0: Um, I actually was coming at it from the nature side of it. Um, I actually think Stu is more um uh psych- psychopathic than Billy
1: because of the lack of motivation or because clear... of the lack
0: of 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 clear declared motivation within the film. Um, because there's no other reason um, the 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 way that I the way that I characterize it or the way that I think about it is that um, uh, you learn that Casey broke up with Stu to be with Steve.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then Tatum's like, I thought you broke up with her to be with me, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, well, no, that hurt his man's pride. Right. And so he can't let that go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he has to both kill um, Casey and Steve and, and maybe he was actually thinking about that and then Billy was like hey man I did this last year I raped and murdered Sydney's mom you want to go these with me
1: did they work together
0: it's unclear whether or not they raped oh. uh, and killed um, Maureen Prescott um, together I mean, it, or uh, alone or Billy alone Billy alone Um, Billy probably did it uh, probably Stu was a part of it based on some of the dialogue but it's unclear yeah so um, or maybe Stu helped him and he's like I just got a taste of of this rush and so now I'm just going to participate in this rush
1: he does get
0: something to strike off my list now
1: Yeah. He does get um, sort of like increasingly, I don't know, energetic and erratic, I think, Mm -hmm. throughout the film. Like he's always has like a big personality, but um, he's just very, he moves with his whole body. (laughs) Like every expression like goes, you know, to the tips of his toes and fingers. And I was actually trying to keep track of like, who would be the killer in the scene? Would it be mm-hmm. Billy or would it be Stu? And I think Stu is the killer in most of the scenes.
0: Okay, and it would work. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Like um, the actual,
1: and- the one who's doing the actual stabbing, who's on mm-hmm. the phone, I think is Billy most of the time. Okay, and that's my uh, argument.
0: Uh, I think they, I think they switch. I, hmm, I think they switch off a little bit, but definitely. Stu uh, definitely Stu is the one that's doing the chasing and the bombastic kind of movements um, when the ghost face killer is on camera
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and that tracks with like how they were trying how they tried to um, uh, play it off so when Billy comes in to rescue Sydney uh, when she's first attacked, right? He doesn't have to take off... like He doesn't look like he's taken off uh, the costume kit and whatever. And then the second um, one where he's fake-stabbed by Stu. Uh, obviously, Stu is the one in yeah. the costume at that point. But I think Stu just stays in the costume.
1: Mm-hmm. Then yeah. To make it... The one time I can think of Billy as the killer would be as uh, the one who kills Tatum because Stu is watching TV with the party. hmm And yep. then, but when it comes to, yeah, as soon as uh, Billy is, like, fake stabbed, it is Stu running around the yard, uh, you know, with getting um, Sydney in the attic and chasing her around the car.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun to to go back and and do that, and you can do that with all of the screams. As you can kind of go back and rewatch and and figure out who's who. It's a uh, it's a good cognitive task, actually. If I bring it back to psychology, it's a good attention tracking task. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I'm instead of is giving the you on the screen, yeah, instead of giving you a classic task, I'm just gonna have you watch the scream films. Can you pay attention? It's like the, the queen in the middle, kind of that the three card game where you have to catch the queen. It's yeah. like, like, can you figure out who the killer is in this moment? One, two, three, go. Well, I want to thank Angela Bell for joining me to discuss Scream. While saying goodbye, Angela, is there anything you'd like to plug? Please use this as a as a I know you you did your Instagram uh, at the top, but um, where can folks find out about your work? I heard that you were recently in a publication talking about recent events.
1: Oh, yeah. So I had uh, two interviews recently and um, one is with Forbes dot com. The title of the article is you're more racist than you think how
0: I will link these
1: great. And then a CNN article, um, called, am I racist? You may not like the answer. And so I talk a little bit about my own research as well as research that has influenced me about how people think about race, um, and racism. And, uh, and one day I will have a website. That has a beautiful, clean um, URL. But for now, you can find me on Instagram, Angela C. Bell, which I try to use to track my productivity, but it's getting increasingly difficult. That's good. Yeah, I like it. Pandemic. So, um, but Angela C. Bell, or you can look um, me up through Lafayette College's website um, in the Mm -hmm. psychology department. You can find um more information about me and what I teach there.
0: I will link I will link the viewers to that as well in the show notes. Well, friends, it's been a scream. Uh, thanks for listening. And Angela again, thank you for joining us to have a scream. Until the next episode, thanks for listening.